Hello and welcome to the Revelation Podcast and my name is John and I would like to thank you for taking time to click play wherever you are listening wherever you are listening at you can be listening to Apple iTunes, you can be listening to Spotify or even to the Anchor site as well and Today's Friday, and I hope that you're looking forward to the weekend, and I hope that the word that I bring will bless you and give you joy on this day, and pray that this joy will carry over in the next couple of days. We continue on in our series with Jesus in the Exodus, part 10. And we will look at chapter 9. And in that chapter, we will look at three more plagues. To begin this, I would like to begin in two Bible verses. The first one will be from James chapter 2, verse 23. And the next one will be Genesis chapter 15, verses 12 through 14. And... I will be using ESV mostly. And I will read at James chapter 2 verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. And in Genesis chapter 15, verses 12 through 14, As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Now, from James chapter 2, verse 23, I would like to ask the question of why was Abraham called a friend of God? To begin to answer that question, I want us to go into the upper room on the night before Jesus' crucifixion. Remember Jesus called the eleven apostle friends? And we see that in John chapter 15, verses 14 through 15. He tells them, You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. If his apostles do what he says, then they are more than servants. They are his friends that know his business. In John chapter 15 verse 10, he tells them, if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love 
just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Well, that promise is not just for the eleven that heard it, but includes to all those who believe in Him. Those that believe in Him have His love. They know His business because we are His friends. Glory Hallelujah. People that obey Jesus are his friends. In James, we see that Abraham, for obeying God as expression of his belief, is to be a reason why he was considered a friend of God. And we see that James chapter 2, verses 21 through 23. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. Therefore, we see Abraham being a friend of God because he was justified with faith and works. Being a friend of God, he received prophecy from him. In the prophecy that we saw in Genesis chapter 15, verses 12 through 14, we saw three things. Well, Abraham saw three things. One, he saw his people being enslaved by Egypt, by Egypt for 400 years. Two, God promised him he will bring judgment on the Egyptians. And with the plagues, we are seeing that. And number three, God also promised him that his people will have great possessions when they leave Egypt. We will see that after God executes the last plague in Egypt. So far in Exodus, God promised Moses that he will deliver his people out of Egypt so they can worship him on his mountain. He also promised that he will bring judgment on Pharaoh. In this chapter, we continue to see that began on Exodus chapter 7 verse 20. And he also promised that he will harden Pharaoh's heart. At the end of each plague, we see Pharaoh's heart continue to harden. Now, what I'd like to do briefly is I'd like to review the plagues so far. The plagues are judgment from God to Pharaoh, Egypt, and their gods. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 12, he says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The first plague, the plague of blood, was against the Egyptian gods of the Nile Osiris. The plague of frogs, it was against Egypt's god, Hecht, 
who ruled over fertility. Fertility. This was the first plague that Pharaoh emotionally repented to God, but he still did not let God's people go, even though he promised Moses. Throughout the plagues, we should see a similar pattern. The begin that pattern is when God gives Moses a command on how to carry out the plague if Pharaoh refuses to let his people go. After that, Moses does what God tells him. And for a while, enchanters will compete up until the plague of the flies. At that plague, they realized they were not a match even for God's finger. After enduring the plagues for a little while, the fair emotionally repents by promising, and I have that word in quotation marks, by promising he will let God's people go. God ends the plague. Pharaoh does not keep his promise. Pharaoh's heart hardens like God told Moses it would. In the last chapter, Exodus chapter 8, verse 23, God says, Thus I will put a division between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign shall happen. In Exodus chapter 8, we see that God dividing the Israelites from the Egyptians. Well, in the world today, there are many groups and nations. From the Bible, we should see that God really sees two divisions. And with the divisions of the Egyptians and the Israelites, those can be broken down even more. You know, when God says, my people, he refers to the Israelites. And when God says, your people, he refers to the Egyptians. Well, majority of the Egyptians died from God's judgment. Later on, when we go on the rest of the way to the book of Exodus and go on into Leviticus and into Numbers, we will see that the majority of the Israelites died from God's judgment. Only two people that were slaves in Egypt made it to the promised land, Joshua and Caleb. They obeyed God and trusted him. Even before God, even before Moses, we saw a distinction between believer and unbeliever with Rebecca. In Genesis chapter 25 verse 23, and the Lord said to her, "Two nations are in your womb, and two people from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, the older serve the younger." Rebecca had two nations in her womb with Jacob and Esau. And there are at least two scripture references that has that has God's view on Jacob and Esau. And they 
pretty much say the same thing. The first one, Malachi chapter 1 verse 3, comes from the Old Testament. And it is written, But Esau I have hated. I have laid waste his hill country and left his heritage to jackals of the desert. In Romans chapter 9 verse 13, it says, As it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Well, it's not like that God did not like Esau, but he hated how he lived as in disobedience towards him. Jacob repented for his sins, which is why God loved him. At the great white throne judgment, there will be a division. And let's see what that division is. From Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, from his presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and hate gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and hate were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Those who have their names in the book of life are like Jacob. Those who do not have their names in the book of life are like Esau. God loved them, and he did give them a chance. But they rebelled like Pharaoh and Egypt did in Exodus. Believers are the sheep. The unbelievers and the sinners are the goats. God sees the world as sheep and goats. These are the groups he sees. Now, I would like to go into Exodus chapter 9. And I would like to look at the first plague that's written verses 1 through 7. The plague of cattle is attack on the Egyptian god Epius. He's supposed to be their sacred bull. And sacred bull is in quotations. Verses 1 through 3. God instructs Moses on what to do if Pharaoh refuses to obey him. With this plague, God lets Pharaoh know he owns everything of his. In Exodus chapter 9 verse 3. He says, Behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thy cattle, which is in the field, upon the horses, upon the asses, upon the camels, upon the oxen, and upon the sheep. There should be a very grievous moraine. In verse 4, we see that God even puts a divide between the livestock. He knows which one belongs to the Egyptians, and he knows which one belongs to the Israelites. He promised that none of the Israelites will die. Well, we know from Genesis that on the sixth day that God made the livestock. 
all the things that God creates means that he owns it. And we go on and we see from verses 5 through 7 that God's judgment and promises are fulfilled. And the Lord appointed to a set time saying, Tomorrow the Lord shall do this thing in the land. And the Lord did that thing on the morrow, and all the cattle of Egypt died. But of the cattle of the children of Israel died not one. And Pharaoh said, Behold, there was not one of the cattle of the Israelites dead. And the heart of Pharaoh's hardened, and he did not let the people go. Again, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. Verses 8 through 12 is about the plague of boils. We know from the book of Job that Satan put Job's health to a test when he used boils. And this is how Job felt. Job chapter 2 verse 8. And he took him a potsherd to scrape himself with all. And he sat down among the ashes. Job was in pain. Because he had boils from head to toe. And you can imagine this kind of pain made him feel miserable like it would anybody else. One boil was painful enough. But to have them all over your body that we cannot imagine unless we experience it. Well, verses 11, the Egyptian magicians could not even stand before Moses. All the Egyptians have boils. And verse 12, Pharaoh's heart continued to harden. Verses 13 through 35 are about the plague of hail mingled with fire. This plague is a reflection of God's wrath on the whole world. And we read about the sound of the trumpets in Revelation. In Revelation chapter 8 verse 7 is... About the first trumpet. And the first angel blew his trumpet, and there falls hail and fire mixed with blood. And these were thrown upon the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. The third trumpet, Revelation chapter 8, verses 10 through 11. The third angel blew his trumpet. And a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood. And many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. The plague of hell was directed at Egypt's heart. So they will know that there is none like him. In Exodus chapter 9 verse 14. For this time I will send all my plagues on yourself. And on your servants and your people. So that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. Okay. With all the bad things that happen in Egypt. Still. We know that God is in control of all things. It was by His power that they were able to become 
a world power. You know, last episode I talked about how, you know, Paul planted Apollo's water. And it was God that gave the increase. God provides for the just and the unjust. And so, why did God raise Egypt? Well, we see that in verse 16 of chapter 9. But for this purpose, I have raised you up to show my power so that my name may be claimed in all the earth. After God makes Egypt fall, the nations around them will hear about it because we will hear in the word on how people felt about the Israelites because they heard what God had done to Egypt. And God's word will not return void. What he says will happen, it will happen. What he says, what he will do, he will do. And we see in verse 16 that he did raise Egypt for his purpose. And with the plagues, he is showing them his power. And later on, we will see that Pharaoh will confess, even though it's out of emotions. You know, God even calls them out. In Exodus chapter 9, verse 17, he, in ESV, he says, You are still exalting yourself against my people and will not let them go. You know, it, you would think that, okay, after, I mean, after the boils, you would have thought, Pharaoh says, okay, we need to let these people go. We are suffering enough. But that does not happen because of Pharaoh's pride. His pride murdered most of the people in Egypt. They murdered his pride, murdered his son, and eventually murdered him. Verses 18 through 23. God carries out his promise with Moses. And up to this point, even with Egypt, there was division among them towards God. And remember, I just read verse 17, where, no, I took verse 16, where it talks about God raised them for the purpose that they may know his power and that his name is above everything else in the earth. Well, Exodus chapter 9, verses 20 through 21 says, Then whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh hurried his slaves and his livestock into the houses. But whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and his livestock in the field. So you can see that within Egypt, they were divided. There were some that began to fear the word of the Lord, and there's others that continue to deny the word of the Lord. Those that took the word brought their slaves and family inside. Those that deny the word 
did not bring their possessions inside. Well, hell fell all over Egypt except for Goshen. And we see that in verse 26 of chapter 9. And then the confession of Pharaoh, still emotional, is different from the others. Exodus chapter 9, verses 27 through 28. 28. The Pharaoh sent and called Moses and Aaron and said to them, This time I have sinned. The Lord is in the right, and I and my people are in the wrong. Plead with the Lord, for there has been enough of God's thunder and hail. I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. So, Pharaoh's apology is different. And there are four things that point to that. Number one, he does not just admit his sin. He testifies the Lord is right. And not only does he just admit his sin, but he also admits his wickedness and the nation's wickedness. When he testified to the Lord... That was an example from verse 16, where God says that he will know my name. And Pharaoh testifies to the Lord's name when he admits that the Lord is righteous. And instead of admitting to Moses, say, hey, you could go and travel three days. Instead of admitting to that, he tells Moses that he doesn't need to stay there any longer. And I love how Moses responds. Verses 29 through 30. Moses said to him, As soon as I have gone out of the city, I will stretch out my hand to the Lord. The thunder will cease and there will be no more hell, so that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. As far as you and your servant, I know that you do not yet fear the Lord God. So we see that Moses promised he will end the plague, so Pharaoh will know the Lord even more. And number two, he tells Pharaoh he knows that he does not fear the Lord. So Moses can see past Pharaoh's emotional repentance, even with more words to it. So Moses kept his promise. He goes out and ends the plague. And Pharaoh sins in his heart. He hardens his heart, and he still does not let Israelites go with Exodus so far we see that God keeps his promises I mean we even see God prophesy to Abraham or tell Abraham Abram that his descendants will be slaves in Egypt for 400 years And God hears their cries. And God sends his judgment to Pharaoh. Now, he gave Pharaoh opportunity to let the people go, but Pharaoh still refused. And with the six plagues, I point out that there's a similar pattern. And that pattern is God gives Moses instructions on what to do if Pharaoh refuses to go. Moses carried out those instructions. And for a while you had Egyptian enchanters try to match the power of God. But by the time the plague of flies came, 
they realized that they were no match for even God's finger. And Pharaoh, sometimes he would repent when he has enough. But when he sees the plague is gone, he doesn't keep his promises and his heart continues to get hardened. And so we see these plagues. We see that they're a reflection of God's judgment that will come to this earth. When we see God's promises being fulfilled constantly and that God is still the same, we need to reach a conclusion that God will judge the earth and that he will divide the people. He will divide them into the sheep and into the goats. The sheep are the ones who have their names written in the book of life. The goats are the unbelievers and sinners that do not have their names written in the book of life. The goats will be like Pharaoh and most of the Egyptians that disobeyed God in the plague. They will experience his judgment. And someone out there that may be listening to this who still disobeys God, well, you're alive. That means God is being gracious and he's giving you an opportunity so that when you go before the great white throne judgment, you will be without an excuse. Now you may say, oh, what a mean God. Oh no, God's not a mean God. He's a gracious and just God. Think about all the time that you've had in this world. And within a seconds, your life can be gone. I mean, we should see that with all the death that's going on. You know, you have COVID-19. You have police officers and rioters killing each other. Their life is gone with the blink of an eye. And a few days ago, we saw a huge explosion in Lebanon. You know, death is all around us. And our life is just a blink. You know, we could be just gone at any moment. And when you're gone, you know... What's God going to say to you? Is Are you going to hear, well done, faithful servant? Or are you going to hear, depart from me, I never knew you? When God says that, that means there's no coming back. The rich man in the parable of the rich man Lazarus found that out the hard way. You know, he begged Abraham. At least three times begged Abraham, you know, at least let the poor man have some cool water and at least let him touch my tongue so I could relieve the pain. And Abraham says, Nope, he can't cross over there and you can't cross over here. Well, the rich man says, Well, send Lazarus spirit to go tell my family about this. Tell them don't come here. And, you know, the rich Abraham told him, nope, you know, your family, you know, they got the law and the prophets. And what good is a spirit going to do if they refuse to obey the law and the prophets? So when we depart from this world, when we disobey God, and we don't have our names written in the book of life, like Pharaoh there's no coming back. There's no coming back. So, if you're listening to this, 
I pray and hope that you take your souls seriously. I pray and hope that you take time and open the word. God's faithful if you're truly seeking him with an honest heart, wanting to know him. Then he will reveal himself for who he is in your in his word. God's faithful. We see that he keeps his promises. Well, I look forward to uploading more on Monday. And on Monday, we will continue through with the plagues. And I hope that you guys will have a blessed weekend. God bless you.